Ashley Brock reading Laura Griffin's book, Unforgivable, Chapter 16. Mia stood in the mud, shivering. The temperature had climbed above 30, but a front had moved in, and a blanket of moisture had settled over everything. She hunched her shoulders against the chill as she watched Rick tromp around the site. He was in detective mode now, had been since they left the safe house. You say he was watching you? I don't know, I just think he was. She shoved her hands in the pockets of her barn jacket and stepped closer. Something he said over the phone made me think he could see my car as I pulled in. The metal door to the incinerator store opened and Rook shone his flashlight inside it for the third time. Nothing but ashes. I'm where, dude. You leave the tongs. Mia walked over to the spot and pointed. There? That's where I left him, too. Our fingerprint tracer lifted several good prints, but said it would take a few days to run them through. Rick muttered something. What? You should have given it to me, he said. I could have had our guy turn it over the same day. He owes me a favor. I don't know your guy. I know my guy, and I trust him. His gay shot up. What does that mean? I think this person, whoever he is, is in law enforcement. Rick's expression, Durgan. Why is that? His gun, for one. It looks just like yours. This is the one... This is one of the most common pistols out there. That's because they're standard issue for so many law enforcement agencies. Mia had researched it. Also, he knew things, like how the lab works, where things are stored during processing. I talked to our evidence clerk, and someone called her twice to check on the status of that evidence and find out which person in our lab was assigned to it. He claimed to be a detective. Ms. Broford. Who? Jonah McCann. Rick looked away and shook his head. Then he walked around in the front of the building and Mia followed. I looked inside already, she said. No cigarette butts, no soda cans. If he was in there, it looks like he cleaned up after himself. The door stood ajar and he pushed it open, causing a rusty squeak. He stepped inside and again she followed. The place was empty except for an overturned milk crate and a stack of wooden shipping pallets. The floor was dusty concrete, but there were no fresh footprints. Light streamed through the broken second-story window. Rick walked into the center of the room and looked around. What makes you think he was watching from the building? His voice echoed through the carverous space. I don't know. At the time, I just thought that's where he was. Where else would he be? They walked back outside. Mia looked around, but all she saw were pastures transected by the highway. There was a farmhouse about a half a mile up the road, but it had pickups and a tractor out front. Not the sort of spot where you would could camp out and watch someone unnoticed. Rick surveyed the area, then walked north toward a rise above a hundred rise about a hundred yards away the ground sloped up to wire fence that bordered what looked to be the grounds of the former factory a couple of mesquite trees swayed in the breeze but they were too slender for anyone to hide behind a pair of low boulders sat between them and rick crouched down bingo she joined him beside the rocks which were about the size of two tires you think he was here looks like he was prone see the grass flattened down and these marks where he dug the toes of his boots in cold look had come into Rick's eyes, one she was beginning to recognize. He took the threat to her personally. She wasn't sure what to think of that. It didn't make her special, necessarily. He was a cop. He was protective by nature. This was his blind, he said. He said up here, probably before he made the call, then waited for you to come. He probably watched every move you made through a rifle scope. Fear rippled her. Why didn't he just shoot me then? Why would he? You were doing exactly what he wanted. Now that it's over, though, maybe he thinks it's time to eliminate you. Rick frowned down at the rock and rubbed a finger over a black mark on it. 
He smoked a cigarette here, too, while he's waiting. Stubbed it out, but I don't see the butt. They spent a few minutes separately combing the area until Rick let out a whistle. Found something. Don't touch it. Mia pulled a small kit from her pocket and walked over. She handed him some tweezers and unfolded a paper bag, although she couldn't even see what he was looking at. What is it? Cellophane wrapper from a pack of smokes. Mia looked at the clear plastic. A butt would be better for DNA. He stood up and dropped the wrapper into the paper evidence bag. Corner of his mouth got up. You're making it too complicated. I bet we get a print. Mia looked around, uncomfortable standing there, even in the presence of an armed police officer. The place felt spooky, and she picked her eyes watching her from every direction. The more I see of this guy, the more I think he has military training. Rick's voice was serious again. You don't think he's a cop? Could be. He's both. Anyway, if he is military, I'm guessing it's in the distant past. Why is that? He reached over and sank his fingers into her hair. It was the first time he touched her since they left the cabin. Because he missed Guarnera. A man on his game would have made the shot. Mia's heart pounded. A bubble of panic rose in her throat. She smiled. It was either that or burst into tears. Guess I'm lucky then, huh? Don't be lucky. Be smart. Rick's hand dropped away and he looked out over the horizon. His prize at stake now. He won't miss again. Jonah tossed his empty can into the trash and waited for the Red Bull to kick in. He'd been up half the night on this case and he was starting to feel it. <laughs> so, so we've got a print at the lab from your cigarette wrapper. Three matching shell casings but no murder weapon and still nothing on the missing jeep, Jonah said. He and Rick were in one of the conference rooms at the station house comparing notes on their cases. Rick seemed convinced that they were all connected, although Jonah hadn't totally bought into the theory. Shooting and stabbing were pretty different as far as M.O.s went. MOs went. Seemed to him like two different perps. That's all we have on the shooter. At least until that sheriff deputy gets back to me with whatever they found yesterday at the gas station. If there was something to find, they probably would have found it by now. Our best bet is that print. Rick rubbed the bridge of his nose. The lab is running it through Aphis. We'll see what comes back. Jonah scarfed down the last bit of soggy Italian sub and watched his partner. He looked tense, tired. He'd probably been up all night, too, but Jonah doubted he'd been working. Where did Stas Mia? Yeah, somewhere safe. Jonah waited for more, but he didn't elaborate. Update me on the girl on the lake. Rick said, changing the subject. Then you have a message into that sheriff. Still no idea on her. They thought they might get something off the cinder block, but so far, no word. Got some stuff on Fort Worth, though. Jonah shoved the trash away and slipped through the pages of his notebook. I've been working on the guest list from the county club party where Laura Thorne was last seen. High class hooker at a country club party. How come I'm not surprised? First off, the term is escort according to her employer. Jonas skimmed his notes. This woman runs a pretty big business from the looks of it. Anyway, the victim's last scheduled date was at this pool party, which followed a man's poker game, poker tournament there at the club. Not a lot of wives invited, as you might guess. The victim's boss got a text message from her about 9 p.m. saying she'd made it to the party. This is the last anyone heard from her. Her body turned up two days later in the woods off the golf course. And the day after that, the groundskeeper gets shot. Same gun used to kill Hannigan. Detective up there thinks the gardener might have witnessed something. So here's the interesting part. The guest lived. If her boss knows who Laura's date was at the party, she's not saying. Any cops there? Don't think so. Why? 
Just a theory Mia has. Might be off base. Rick reached across the table. Here, let me see. How'd you come up with this? Jonas lets notes over. Clerk at the club promised I'd keep his name out of it since I didn't have a warrant. A lot of movers and shakers. Rick said reading Tim Connell's been all over the news. He's running for state attorney general. Jeff Lane is the lieutenant governor. Shit. Which one of these guys is using an escort service? My guess is half of them. Holy shit. Come in a lane. There's no there's no woman on the let that list. No, I know. She's the lieutenant governor's wife. Her name came up already. Rick pulled a thin folder from the stack at the other end of the table. What's that? Jan Doe case from the Lake Buck Cannon. Some remains were found up there. Never been identified. Bone expert at the Delphi Center thinks it's the same M.O. as Ashley Meyer. Duct tape. Blind force trauma. Stab him with a serrated knife. What's that got to do with Camilla Lane? Sheriff up there interviewed her when he was making the rounds. They had a lake house down the road from where the body was found. Rick was coming through the file now, but there wasn't much in it. Damn, where's the guy's number? Jonah stared at him. It's on me, Lord Thorne, and the Shando had linked to the lieutenant governor. Rick I guess I am. Fuck, Rachel's gonna hate this. He wrecked hand through his hair. This is going nowhere. Damn it. He was right. No DNA in her right mind. No DA in her right mind would start investigating a political heavyweight like Jeff Lane without a boatload of evidence, which they didn't have. They had more like a thimble, <laughs> and it was all circumstantial. Rick cursed again and stared down at the file. Yo, you guys hear about our boy, Cornero? Ian Rick turned to see Vince Moore standing in the doorway. Jonas growled. Yo. Yo, dirtbag. Thanks for backing me up the other night with Sophie Barrett. What the fuck? Poor grin. Thought you liked that. She damn near shot my dick off. That girl packs heat. No kidding? <laughs> Moore looked at the kingdom. Jonah decided. Jonah decided. Jonah decided to shut up about it. What about Cornero? Rick asked getting them back on trial. They picked him up yesterday down in Baxter County, Moore said. Buddy of mine tells me he copped to that motel murder you're working on. Cornero claims it was self-defense. Always is. Anyways, they're sending his ass up here. Rachel wants a piece of him. What's he trying to... That's one case cleared. Yeah. Yeah, let's go home. Another detective walks by the open door. Hey, Brooklyn, what's up on that gas station robbery? Morkel. I'm, I'm on my way over there. Brooklyn stepped into the room. Any of you want in on this holdup? They got... The store owner at Beckerman Hospital. From what I got, we'll probably be looking at a homicide by Nightfall. Rick, you interested? I'm slammed, he said. And I've got plans tonight. Jonah was pretty sure he knew that Rick's plans were. <laughs> he was playing bodyguard with benefits. I'll go with you, Moore said. As long as we can hit a drive-thru first. Jonah. You want in? Can't do it. He tried to look We're on our way to go visit the DA. Mia breathed a sigh of relief as Rick pulled into the parking lot of the FBI San Antonio field office. Finally, she and Rick's brother had been waiting nearly 20 minutes since she'd been really worried. Well, thank you. She turned to Ray, who had the same dark looks as his brother, along with an ever aversion to small talk. I'm sorry to interrupt your Sunday and your Saturday, too. I really appreciate all your help. No problem. What was the protocol here? Should <laughs> she hug him? Shake his hand? His body language divided neither. So she rubbed her gloved hands together, smiled at him, as Rick pulled up the sidewalk. 
Ray reached around to open the door. Thanks again. She slid into the pickup and Ray nodded. And for my purse, too. I really appreciate it. Rick leaned forward to peer around. Call you later, he told his brother. Later. Rick pulled away, leaving the Hulker and concrete government building behind him. It was full two minutes before he said another word. How'd it go? Great, she said cheerfully as he turned onto the fire freeway. Let's take them back to Santa Margaret. He put me in a very nice conference room with furniture that was bolted to the floor and read the Sunday paper twice, including the classifieds. Mia flipped the vanity mirror down, saw that her face was just as freckled with makeup free as it had been that morning. Funny thing, though, your brother didn't seem all that busy while I was there. If he hadn't assured me otherwise, I might think he went into the office today solely to babysit me. Vic started a glance at her. Look back at the room. Classifies, huh? You're looking for a job? Me aside, letting go. I'm expecting to get my car insurance check later this week. All $6,200 of it. She dragged her purse into her lap and rooted around for some chapstick. Ray had recovered the purse from a rental car when he visited the scene of yesterday's shooting. He also talked to the local sheriff and then returned the Toyota that Alex had rented for. The list of favors Mia owed the Santos brothers was growing longer by the hour. She glanced at Rick. What happened today? How's the investigation coming? It's coming. She watched him, waiting for details, but his gaze was fixed on her. Any word from that sheriff? Yes. Ray talked with me again this afternoon. No new developments. Mia suppressed the sarcastic remark. Four hours she spent with the man, and he hadn't mentioned that. What was it with this family? Rick swerved into the fast lane, and Mia stared out the window as the miles rushed by in silence. He still didn't want her want to let her in. She told him everything, all of it, and she still wasn't part of his inner circle. Did he still distrust her? Maybe lying earlier in the DA's office had been a bad idea. Mia didn't lie well, but she hadn't known what else to do. She hadn't known what to do yesterday either, and so she trusted Rick in every way imaginable, and now she wondered whether that had been a mistake too. First sign for San Marcos came into view, and Mia summoned her courage. So, just get it out there. Where exactly are we going? He seemed ready for the question. I'm taking you to my place. She turned to look at him, which more than anything that she could read his expression. Was this him letting him, letting her into his life finally? Or was this another babysitting arrangement with maybe some sex thrown in to keep it interesting? I've got to be somewhere tonight, though. Even if about half an hour from now. I take that to mean you're dropping me off or... Jonah's meeting us there. He'll hang out with you till I get back. Should be more than a few hours. A few hours, waiting for Rick to show up. And once he came home, then what? Then he'd hop into bed together, and in the morning he'd get up to go fight bad guys while she sat around his apartment, probably with some cop buddy he talked into babysitting for the day. Mia looked out the window and bit her lip. God, she was such a wimp, and she was sick of feeling helpless while her little torn did it. Her life tornadoed around her. She cleared her. Could you pull over, please? He gave her a starting lance. Please? He checked his mirror before sailing across two lanes and taking the next exit. Mia's heart thudded as he coasted off the freeway and pulled into a Burger King parking lot. She waited for him to stop the truck, then turned to face him. What's going on with us, Rick? <laughs> his eyes filled with weariness, but she steeled herself and kept going. A few days ago, you told me you weren't in the American for a relationship. Has something changed? She saw the muscle in his jaw tighten before he looked. It's okay, she said, even though her insides were shedding. You told me that from the beginning. I just wanted, you know, make sure. He met her gaze, obviously hating this conversation. Look, Mia, 
It's fine. Let's just go. She pulled her phone from her purse and tried to keep her hands steady as she sent a text message. Her eyes, his eyes were on her and she felt her cheeks get warm. Why had she let this happen? In some tiny corner of her mind, she allowed herself to believe that sleeping with him would change things, would make him want what he clearly didn't. Brilliant plan. Now here she was, asking him for the very thing she told him she didn't need. She finished her message and pressed it. May you look at me? She slid her phone into her purse, looked up, hoping her emotions weren't playing on her face. Everything's complicated right now. You have no idea. Don't explain, Sheldon Pan. It's fine, really. But I've made some other arrangements, so I can't come to your house tonight. You muttered something in Spanish. Then he shifted into gear again and pulled out of the lock. She didn't know what to make of it. Clearly, he was pissed. I... I need you where I can keep tabs on you, he said. Are you worried I'm going to take off? I'm more worried about someone putting a bullet in you. Forget it. You're staying with me. I'm not staying with you. All that hurt in her chest was quickly becoming angry. I told you, I've made other plans. She looked out the window and tried to get her feelings under control. She didn't want a scene with him. Not after last night. Last night was precious to her. She had no idea what it meant to him, but to her, it was special. And she didn't want to ruin it. What's the plan, Mia? Your house isn't safe. Not if he's leaving you threats on your breakfast table. She knew she shouldn't have told him about the Mardi Gras beads. He was right about her house, though. She didn't want to be alone there right now, but her emotions were too dull to want Rick there with her. She realized he was looking at her. What? I'm not taking you home. You don't have to. I'm staying with a friend. She said, you're just going to camp out at somebody's place. You think Sophie's going to protect you and some thug decides to kick down the door in the middle of the night? She looked out the window when she thought she could talk without sounding upset. She gave him an address on the south side of town. Next exit, she added as he glared at her. But it seemed he was finished arguing because he slightly, f silently followed directions to the house. Mia had been there exactly once, but she remembered it well. It was a small brick, one-story, and a working working-class neighborhood. She prayed the garage door would be down when Rick pulled up the curb. No such luck. A black pickup with oversized tires was parked in the garage. Beside it was a motorcycle. For once, Rick's face was easy to read. Whose the hell's house is this? He demanded. A friend? Who? He works at the Delpery Center. Mia gathered her purse and jacket. This is perfect, actually. He can give me a ride to work. Since when are you going back to work? I want my life back, alright? I'm sick of running from things. It's time I tried to salvage what's left of my career. That's even possible. I'm not sure I can, but I know I can't do it by running away. He glanced at the truck. Every muscle in his face hardened. He's a friend. You want me to believe that? I don't care what you believe. He offered me a place to stay on his couch. And you can believe whatever you want because I don't answer to you. She reached for the door in. When he grabbed her, I'm wait. What? Just wait, Jesus. He scrubbed a hand over his face and she could tell he was trying very hard to rein in his temper. That little gesture pulled at her, making her wait patiently for whatever he had to say. Took a deep breath. Who is this guy? Why does it matter? Because it does. She looked at him. Not sure what was going on now. Jealousy? Hurts over the top of possessiveness that had no basis in reality, she said. I can tell what you're thinking, but it's not like that. You have no idea what I'm thinking. He's a friend, okay? I've known him for years. I talked to him earlier today, and he offered to put me up. Given the circumstances, I think I'd be more comfortable here. God, why am I even explaining this to you? I'm too tired for this. She reached for the door again and again. He's over. All I'm asking is his name. He said with obvious effort. I'd like to run a background check. She looked at him for a long moment. 
Scott Black, she said quietly. He works in our ballistics lab, and you don't need to bother checking up on him, because everyone at Delpery has been thoroughly vetted. vetted. But Caper, along saying, I don't like this plan. I think you should take some more time off. Lalo. I appreciate your concern, but it's not your decision. She reached for the handle again, and this time he didn't try to stop her. Will you call me later, please, about the investigation? I'd like to be kept informed. You nodded correctly. Thank you. She got out of the truck. The maid said out calm. She sounded as she ended one of the most emotional weekends of her life. Mayor. She looked back over her. You can call me, do you know? Have you need anything? I know. She said in the words sounded as hollow as she felt. End of chapter. Eh. Seven. End of chapter 16.